This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Greatest Movie of All Time crossover podcast, the show that uses a unique grading style to redefine what the greatest MCU movies are. I'm Tom Duncan. And I am Adam. Just Adam? Yeah. Okay. From the streaming circuit. Yeah, sorry. So do you have no last name because you have no father? Uh, Well, I have my mother's last name. I didn't take my father's last name. Thank God. Because my last name is a little off, like it's easily made fun of, but I I don't like his name even more so than, than mine. I don't know. I mean, you you got one of the great directors there, so I mean, no, I'm proud. I'm proud of my name. I didn't get made fun of too much for it. I had another buddy named Cox as a last name. That was worse. He got the brunt of it. Yeah, yeah. Hitchcock. I mean, you know, I got the occasional Hitchcock, but you know, I mean, that's you know, kids will be kids. That's not even that creative. No, that's that's a stretch. No, there was one creative name that I'm not going to say on air going to try to keep this somewhat pg-13 that's, but, uh, that's probably best but most of them yeah I, I didn't get made i was popular so i didn't get made fun of too much that helped well if you haven't noticed by now we digress very easily on this show but today we are discussing the fourth movie of the mcu the original origin film of thor originally released on may 2nd 2011 directed by kenneth Branagh of uh shakespeare and recently i think Christopher Nolan film fame. He's also an actor and just recently won his Oscar for, I think, best original screenplay like two years ago for Belfast. Yep. Written by Ashley Edward Miller, Zach Stentz, and Don Payne. I know nothing about any of them. (laughs) Starring Chris Hemsworth as Thor, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, Tom Hiddleston as Loki, Stellan Skarsgård as Eric Selvig, Kat Dennings, your Kat Dennings, as Darcy Lewis, Clark Gregg as Phil Coulson, Colm Fiore as Laufey, Ray Stevenson, the recently departed Ray Stevenson, as Volstagg, Idris Elba as Heimdall, Jamie Alexander as Sif, Renee Russo as Friga, Anthony Hopkins as Odin, and Tadanobu Asano portrays Hogan. So, what do you think the budget for this movie was? Oh, this is a fun game. I like this. I'm going to say the budget was 175. A little lower. 150. Yes, 150. At least that's the rough reported budget for this. All right, so box office and its ranking overall. So this is among all MCU films up to this point, including Phase 4. Where do you think it ranks in total box office? This is international box office, by the way, so it's the global. The global. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to guess it's in the 400s. Am I right about that? Oh, you're, you're going on the exact number. I was saying among the films, so like... No, I'm going to, but I just want to get a, an idea. Is it in oh, the 400s? Oh, 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 sure, 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 sure. Okay, so the worldwide or global box ranking, yes, it is in the 400s. Uh, it's, I mean, it's definitely low. There are 30... Two Marvel movies, right? Or are you not counting? Uh, that Spider-Man? sounds pretty close. Yeah, no, I think it does count Spider-Man as part of that. I would guess this is thirty. Twenty-six. Wow, that is way higher than I expected it to be. Wow, there have been some duds then. There have been a few. 
Interesting. So, all right. And I think Dark World actually finished lower than this. Preposterous. So, worldwide total box office was $449.3 million. Total domestic box office was $181 million. Domestic opening weekend was $65.7 million. Wow. Very low for what Marvel does now. Even the bad Marvel movies open to $100 million. So, critic scores. Rotten Tomatoes, what do you think the percentage was? 68. Higher. Wow. 74. 77. All right. Decent. What do you think the Metacritic score is? What goes into Metacritic score? So this is much more of like they actually give it a gradiated score as opposed to whether it's just I like the movie or I didn't like the movie like Rotten Tomatoes does. So it's just an aggregate of the amount of thumbs up, thumbs down. 7.9. So it's 57 score. Oh, out of 100. Oh, okay. wow. Okay. So just above the median. Mm. Letterboxd had a 2.8 out of 5. So those are all the movie fans. Yeah. Not a particularly strong showing. Tough. Plot summary for this one. In the realm of Asgard, Thor, the impulsive and arrogant son of King Odin, Anthony Hopkins, is next in line for the throne. However, his reckless actions and thirst for battle lead to a confrontation with the Frost Giants, ancient enemies of Asgard. Determined to teach Thor a lesson in humility, Odin strips him of his divine powers and casts him down to Earth. Crash landing in New Mexico, Thor finds himself far away from his homeland and stripped of his mighty hammer, Mjolnir. Confused and out of his element, he encounters a team of astrophysicists led by Jane Foster, Natalie Portman, and her mentor, Dr. Eric Selvig. Stellan Skarsgård. As they attempt to unravel the mystery behind Thor's arrival, they come to realize that they are not alone in their quest. Dun-dun-dun! Back in Asgard. Thor's banishment sparks a power struggle within the kingdom. Thor's cunning brother Loki, Tom Hiddleston, seizes the opportunity to ascend to the throne, while Odin falls into a deep slumber. As the balance between realms becomes increasingly unstable, Thor must prove himself worthy and regain his powers to stop Loki's malevolent plans from bringing ruin to both Asgard and Earth. Directed by Kenneth Branagh, Thor strikes a perfect balance between grand spectacle and intimate character moments. Branagh's Shakespearean background is evident in the film's rich storytelling and complex relationships. The performances by the ensemble cast are top-notch, with Hemsworth embodying the essence of Thor's larger-than-life personality, and Hiddleston delivering a nuanced portrayal of Loki's internal conflicts. Thor is not just another superhero film, It is a mythological odyssey that explores themes of redemption, family, and sacrifice. It lays the foundation for future installments in the Marvel Cinematic Universe while also standing tall as a compelling standalone adventure. By blending Norse mythology with contemporary storytelling, Thor captures the imagination and sets the stage for an epic saga that will resonate with audiences for years to come. Did you buy any of that? Uh, No, no. And I was going to say, I don't think he wrote that. I think no, I didn't. Wrote that. Okay, <laughs> I was gonna say I, uh, the cast gave riveting performances. Did they now? Secret behind the curtain on some of these, uh, we started running them through Chat GPT recently. Nice. I fully support that. Yeah, might as well have a computer write it. And we did it in the voice of Roger Ebert. So there you go. Brilliant. I'm all for AI. Everyone who's trying to resist it, I don't know why you're resisting it. It's here. You it's are the future. for the entity over Tom Cruise? Well, I'm for nothing over Tom Cruise. But um, just AI in general, you know, everyone's freaking out about it. It's like, it's it's here. It's the future. This is like freaking out about cell phones. 
you need to get over it because AI is going to be everything, everywhere, all at once in five, five years. gives you cancer. I'm just kidding, folks. I, I seriously am. That, no. <laughs> so yeah, I fully support using ChatGPT. I have never used ChatGPT, but I have nothing against it. I support that. All right. A little trivia behind the film. Did you know? The final choice for the role of Thor came down to Chris Hemsworth and any idea? Yeah, Tom Hiddleston. Nope. Oh, well, he was in the running for Tom, for Thor, but I do not know then who the other finalist was. Was it? Uh, it was probably uh, Henry Cavill because he was runner up for everything. Nope. Also not it. Then I don't know. Liam Hemsworth. Oh. Yeah, good choice with Chris. Chris found it funny. Quote, we both came all the way over here from Australia and ended up battling against each other. He, however, bore no ill will towards Liam, claiming he was rooting for him to get the role. Bullshit. All right. Did you know, at around 47 minutes, Dr. Selvig, still in Skarsgård, mentions a comrade who got mixed up with the S.H.I.E.L.D., whom he describes as a pioneer in gamma radiation. This alludes to Bruce Banner whose experiments in gamma radiation mutated him into the Incredible Hulk, which we discussed two months ago. However, I own a physical copy of this, but I watched it on Disney+, Plus, so I doubt this deleted scene is in there. But did you know there was a deleted scene that also had him mention Hank Pym? Wow, I did not know that. I also have the physical copy and watched it on Disney+, Plus, but I did not know that. Interesting. My last little piece here, according to director Sir Kenneth Branagh, the closing credit sequence was based on images from the Hubble Space Telescope and took 18 months to create. Wow. That's cool. So put that in your anti-VFX house's pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. yeah. What's her name? Victoria Alonzo. Yeah. That's probably her. Yeah. All right. So we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. Before we jump back into the episode, next month we are discussing the fifth movie in our crossover podcast with Captain America The First Avenger from 2011, directed by Joe Johnston, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely, starring Chris Evans, Haley Atwell, Tommy Lee Jones, Hugo Weaving, Sebastian Stan, and Stanley Tucci. You won't want to miss that one, so watch ahead of the show by searching the Real Good app to find where it's streaming for you. That's R-E-E-L-G-O-O-D. Just a hint, folks, they're all on Disney+. Plus. So, if you want to find the first half of our discussion on this movie, you can subscribe to the Streaming Circuit podcast for that. Adam, tell them where to subscribe. Yeah, you can find us on Spotify, uh, the Streaming Circuit podcast. We do a lot of fun stuff. We do a lot of movie madness. So, if you like brackets and pitting movies against one another, you can go listen to those. I know Tom disagrees with a lot of the committee's choices, but I think the committee does a pretty stand-up job at ranking movies. Any comment? Or... If you want my comments, you can find them on the first half of this discussion. That's fair. Um, yeah, so go check us out on Spotify at the Streaming Circuit. We have the first half of these MCU pods up. We have Movie Madness. We do a whole bunch of stuff. And um, yeah, and you can follow us on Twitter at the Circuitverse to keep up with everything we're doing over here, sports, pop culture, everything. And you can follow us at Rev Almanac, um, a new pod that I'm starting uh, in 2024 with my buddy Andrew Corns. Uh, where we go back and revisit every Oscars and tell you what should have won, because usually they got it wrong. So you can follow us at Rev Almanac. We put up a ton of lists that you can either agree or disagree with. I prefer you disagree, but 
It's a lot of fun. Oh, well, I can definitely do that. We disagree a lot. We disagree a lot. Yes, we do. With good reason. Some of your stuff is just... Your hot takes are just bad. But anyway. I'm a hot take artist. Sometimes I'm going to miss... You're a Skip Bayless wannabe. Anyway. I do not want to be a Skip Bayless. Don't you dare. How dare you. <laughs> all right. If you've never listened to the show before, that's okay. My regular show, Greatest Movie of All Time, uses our patent-pending Stanley rubric, and we're going to do the Stan Lee rubric, to grade movies on their legacy, their impact and significance in the moment of their release, their novelty, their classicness, and their rewatchability. Plus, then we give all of you some points, too, by incorporating the audience scores from both Google and Rotten Tomato users. So, Adam, Legacy is up first for this movie, and as we do every month, it is only based against other MCU films. But what do you think the legacy for the original Thor is? This was tough, because I'm lower on this movie than most. I think for industry-wise, I gave it a four. Uh, Well... Shit, I always mess this up. I gave it a two out of five for industry. I think this had a lot going against it. It didn't make a ton of money, as we talked about off the top. You know, I know 400 million is a lot for a lot of movies, but for a Marvel movie, that ain't very good. That's not much money. And, you know, the director, Kenneth Branagh, never came back to direct another one. He didn't have a great legacy. Obviously, they weren't overly impressed with what he did, or he would have been back. I think the actors were subpar in this movie, despite that uh, brilliant chat GPT summary. I, uh, yeah, I don't think the legacy was great on the industry side. So as good as Captain America and Iron Man kind of worked out for the MCU, Thor was the metaphorical redheaded stepchild of the Avengers. And until Ragnarok, I think most people would say that they didn't really get the character right, that they didn't know what they were doing with it. They didn't really have any great creative ideas. We'll get to Ragnarok, obviously, later, and I think that will rank highly on what we think the best of them are, not just the greatest, because this this show differentiates between greatest and best. But I would have to roughly agree with your scoring for the most part. I had kind of a 2.5 on the industry and about a 2 in the audience. This is kind of a forgettable film, Loki is introduced, Thor is introduced, and they mean a little bit to the Avengers, but I think it's telling that by the time we get to Endgame and they're revisiting some of the key moments from certain films and such, that we really only visit one Thor character, and that's his mother in the middle of the second movie. And most of the characters outside of Thor and outside of Loki really aren't in or among the rest of the MCU. They're kind of relegated to their own space, and so they don't cross over. From an audience standpoint, unless you watch specifically the Thor films, you wouldn't care who most of these characters are. And if they're like you, I think that outside of Endgame, most of these characters don't even really exist in in the mind. Therefore, you know, what does it really matter? So it's really hard to place this very highly for me. So that's a 4.5 for me overall. Yeah. So we actually had the inverse. I went 2.5 on the public. And the reason why I bumped it up just a tad is because most people think of this movie. I'm in the minority where I have this at four of the Thor movies. Most people have this, I think at two, 
I would imagine. The majority of people would put this as the second best Thor movie. I know neither of us think that, but I think the majority of people would. And, you know, this cast, I feel like this is the most full the Thor cast ever is in terms of Thor's supporting characters. Like we get his mother and father both doing things in this movie. All the Warriors 3 and Sif are in this movie. Jane and Darcy are in this movie. Loki and Heimdall are in this movie. Like I think it's the most well-rounded that the cast is of Thor's characters. So I think the public likes it a little bit. I think the public is generally higher on it than I am. So I went 2.5. You really think it's more well-rounded of a cast than Ragnarok? No. Well, no, I like the cast better in Ragnarok. I'm saying of just like Thor's supporting characters. Cause Ragnarok brings in the Hulk. Like it brings in like these other characters. Sure, but Tessa Thompson's Valkyrie, you got Jeff Goldblum doing Jeff Goldblum things. I mean, there's sure, a lot of distinct characters that are just for simply that movie. No. Yeah. I like the cast better in Ragnarok, but like his mom isn't in Ragnarok. Sif isn't in Ragnarok. The Warriors three are like in it for a second and then they're gone. We get a more actualized Heimdall. I think we get a fully actualized Loki to a degree who's more of the trickster in that movie, as opposed to some of the other antics that he was doing earlier on. We get a nice cameo from Matt Damon. That is great. I mean, I like Ragnarok way better than this movie, obviously. So you don't have to, you don't have to sell me on Ragnarok being better, but I don't know. I just feel like this principal cast of Thor's closest characters. This is the most that they are in it and have things to do. Okay. Either way, we still have a 4.5 on this one. Not very good. Well, I mean, it's easy math and I'll accept that. As far as impact and significance, for most people, this was the first Avenger outside of Iron Man on the team. Like, I never saw the original Incredible Hulk until much later. And so it was kind of, okay, what are we going to do after Iron Man? How are we going to expand this? I think that gives it a little bit more credence because they were really starting to hammer the marketing home. We'd had two Iron Man films that were clearly leading to something else. And we teased Mjolnir at the end of Iron Man 2. But now we got something else and we knew there were bigger things coming, but it at least had that level of significance for both an audience standpoint and a, I guess studio standpoint they were building to something else they were still at least on their way even though this film isn't great they're moving along and like the audience is still going with them so i gave it a three and a three for a six i gave it the exact same score a three and a three i think stop copying me yeah my my bad my bad this did have a lot of impact i think because it shot loki and Tom Hiddleston in particular into another stratosphere. I think like he became, I had never heard of Tom Hiddleston before Thor. And, like, and now he's a star. Like he is, you know, he's in the running for James Bond. Like some people, I, he would be my pick for James Bond. If I could pick like he's, he's become very big and it's because of this movie that catapulted him into the Avengers as the villain. And then, I mean, Loki's one of the biggest characters in the MCU. He's got his own show. And so this movie set up a lot with him and the significance in the MCU, you know, it sets up Jane, which becomes a very big storyline later in phase four. I think it sets up a lot and it's significant also because, and this kind of steps on novelty's toes, but it sets up the kind of cosmic space that the MCU lives in 
And some of the best stuff in the entire MCU is cosmic. And this kind of sets the table for that. So I think it's above average. I still don't know how the interplanetary travel exactly works in all of this. And we kind of just accept it, but fair enough. I think they're, they explored a little bit more in guardians, but at least it's out there as a thing. That being said, I still think that Hiddleston and Hemsworth became bigger as associated within the Avengers, which is obviously a much bigger movie. But if we're going to talk about next bond actor picks, I still am 100% in on my boy, Henry Golding. Yeah, he'd be fine. He'd be fine. If you're going to go for the diversity play, no one is expecting an Asian bond. That's true. That's true. Do you think they're going to go diversity or no? Going to be a straight white guy. It's going to be a straight cis white guy. Yeah. It won't be Hiddleston. There's no chance he gets it, but no, he's probably too old at this point. I think they're looking for guys in their early thirties. Yeah. I don't even know who it would be. Tom Holland. It'd be great. Well, to be fair, I didn't think much of Daniel Craig when they cast him the first time. I'm like, okay, this guy. And he's probably my favorite. I mean, it's a and B for him and Connery. Fair enough. Fair enough. Aaron Taylor Johnson, he'll be fine. He's probably going to get cast, I think. So that might, I might be worried about, to be honest. Really? I, I have a feeling he'd be the Cockney Bond. You didn't see that coming, bro. What's wrong with that? Okay. Moving on. Novelty. You want to lead this one off? Sure. I gave it a 7.5. How about that? I'm going to praise this movie wow. for a minute. I gave it. Wow. I gave it a pretty big score. Yeah, seven point five. I'm gonna show some love to Thor because the next couple categories are gonna be rough. So I'll give it some love. Okay. Here. Well, you went in the inverse of where I did. Wow. I think this movie is pretty novel because every other superhero movie up until this point, sans like Howard the Duck, is very grounded and very like tactile and realistic. Like obviously Wolverine. And Iron Man, these aren't realistic things, but they ha- there's a ver- uh, verisimilitude to these movies that feels like they could be happening in real life. This movie is in space. We're dealing with Norse gods. We're, on, we're in different planets. Like, I, I do think this is very groundbreaking in terms of that. I, I cannot think of another superhero movie that had like interplanetary travel and was going to different planets and stuff. I think that is very novel. Superman. That's fair. I don't really care for the Superman movies that much, to be honest. Hot take. But that's fair. You got me there. It's not really a hot take, but okay, fine. You did get me there, but I, I do still think it stands that this is pretty novel, especially for what Marvel was doing at this point. You had two Iron Man movies and Thor, I mean, and uh, and Hulk, very, you know, earthbound, grounded characters. And this kind of blew out the universe and set up Guardians to travel to all sorts of different planets and galaxies and everything. So I think... I do think it's fairly novel. I don't love the movie, but I do think they hit that. So you make some excellent points. As always. I was prepared to say this thing was not novel at all. And I think some of the execution is even worse. This felt like a camel of a script. You know what I mean by that, right? I assume it has to do with the humps. No, actually, it's a horse put together by committee. What? What does that even mean? A camel is a horse put together by a committee. That's why it comes out it looking funny and weird. <laughs> okay. Never heard that before. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, 
the point being that this felt like kind of a communal script, like five or six people had a pass at it and it never really settled on one thing and it kind of needed to hit all of these plot points, but it didn't do any of them particularly well. So I just think we've discussed already some of the difficulties with the production design and some of the cinematography bothers me and I don't know, stylistically it, it wasn't great. So I have to give it down for some of the execution, but I will grant you that you, you made the, the good point on cosmic as far as the MCU films go. It is the first one where we're highlighting their stuff from other worlds and gives us the reason to even in the Avengers talk about Thanos and the Chitari and any of the other stuff. So, I mean, as far as leading into your first real big film outside of Iron Man, it's got to have something. So I will bump it up from the two originally that I was going to give it. I'm going to go to a 3.5. Damn. Yeah, that's a good point, too, with the Avengers. I mean, because Iron Man 2 didn't really work for most people. I'm a little higher out than most, but it, it didn't really work. If this movie didn't work at all, like the cosmic side, like people thought it was silly and didn't understand it and thought it was stupid, which I don't think many people do. I think people just didn't like, then Avengers would have been screwed. Cause like, what would you have done? I mean, they would have had to really shuffle all their plans and I have no idea how it would have turned out. So this was an important movie in terms of like, we have to nail the cosmic and get audiences to believe that a Norse God can travel from planet to planet, come to earth and, and do this or else we're fucked. So in case I didn't give the average on the last category for impact and significance, we both had a six. So the average is a six. And then for this category, uh, we average out to a 5.5. So let's take another quick break and we will be right back. Before we jump back into the episode, and before we get to the Stan Lee rubric in a minute, if you're ever curious about the rankings for each film we've covered on the Greatest MCU Movies of All Time list, there's a link in the episode description of every episode of this show, or you can go to ronnieduncanstudios.com backslash podcast and find it as a top entry on the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast show page. That has the grades we've done for all the MCU movies we've graded so far, and we continue to add more each month. I just updated the site and would appreciate feedback as well as the scores are now viewable from the master list. Make sure to check that out as we go and follow along. All right, we left off at classicness. Do you want to go first or second here? I'll go second. You can go first. Okay. Most of the characters introduced in this film are not even a part of what most people consider to be the strongest Thor film. Natalie Portman isn't in it. Kat Dennings, I think, is in three things in the MCU. She's in the first Thor movie, the second Thor movie, and WandaVision, which most people kind of, like, forget even happened at this point. How dare you. Loki's a bigger villain, but Dr. Selvig gets two Thor films in The Avengers, and I don't think we've heard from him since. Is he supposed to be coming back at some point? I mean... Look, I like it. I love me a Skarsgård, but I hope not. I'm good. I'm good with Eric. So it's hard for me in the grander scale of things, other than to say that this movie kind of happened. And I don't think it's as forgettable as 
the Incredible Hulk was that you can just kind of write over it and not really watch it if it's your first introduction to it. Because at least the Avengers did a much better job of selling, oh, now it's Mark Ruffalo in here and we can kind of just retcon that this never happened because it's not a part of our distribution plans. But this one, at least because it has Loki in it, you kind of have to give it a little bit more treatment. And the brother relationship between Thor and Loki to go from this to Avengers, you at least probably need some context. So you can't just completely write it off. Now, if the baseline's a seven on this and it doesn't necessarily grade up or down because it's not reused over and over, we already talked about that the writers were not reused, the director was not reused, a lot of the characters and set pieces and such, this is just not a high-graded movie other than it's kind of got the early importance of what goes on with this particular character as he's one of the main Avengers for the entire Infinity Saga. I went with a six. Oh, wow. Okay. I went with a three. I, I don't think right. this movie's classic at all. And a few reasons. Main reason, the eyebrows. As we talked about on my pod, what's going on in the hair and makeup department on this film? Uh, they should have gone on strike. This movie would have looked better. To your point, and first of all, I just want to call out, did you just talk about how a lot of people in this movie were not in Thor Ragnarok? Did you just did you just talk about how the cast in this one was not in that one, which is the exact same point I made about 20 minutes ago on this very pod, and you tried to contradict me, and now you're saying the exact same thing I just said? I don't know where you're getting that leap of your argument, but okay. Somehow you were saying that me arguing that there's not a more well-rounded cast in that one. I, I I don't know how you get from A to B. Because I was saying a lot of the the core cast of Thor, this is the movie they have the most to do, as opposed to Ragnarok. And you just went listed all the characters that are not in Ragnarok that are in this movie. Wouldn't you say that the core cast of Thor is Thor, Loki, Heimdall, and Odin? They're all in Ragnarok. I would put Jane and his mom in there as well. Okay. You wouldn't put Jane as a core member of Thor's cast. She's in three no, movies. By the time we get to the second adventure movie, they're like, she just broke up with me. Hey, people break up, man. Like that's life. Like, I think it would have been just fine. Had she never even come back in love and thunder. Not that I'm like oh dissing the God. movie, but at all, but she just seemed like an afterthought by the time we got to the second adventure film. I thought she was really good in Love and Thunder. And Kat Dennings also is in Love and Thunder, I believe, for one scene uh, with okay. um, when she's doing treatment. I saw it once last summer, and I haven't thought really much about it since. I just really liked Christian Bale. I love me some Kat Dennings, so I will always shout her out. I, I do think you brought up a good point, though, when you mentioned the brother aspect, because I don't think it's done very well in this movie at all. And I think we should have spent more time with them as kids. I, I really liked the quick scene we got with them as kids. And I wish we had seen 10 more minutes of the kids. I mean, because this is a pretty short movie. It's not very long. It could, you know, we could have gotten 10, 15 more minutes of them as kids and, and learned their relationship. I think their relationship really develops in two and three, um, three in particular. But I, I do think that was missing in this movie that would have really benefited it. So, yeah, I, three, I don't think this movie is very classic, mainly for the eyebrows, but you, and you bring up a lot of great points. A lot of the plot lines that we talked about on my pod, the Frost Giants is completely dropped with Loki. 
a lot of it is just the Odin sleep is kind of dropped too, which is an important thing I believe in the comics. So yeah, uh, this movie doesn't age all that well. So that's a 4.5 average between the two of us. I have a feeling your rewatchability is going to be terribly low. So we're going to apply the Kieran test to this one. I wouldn't object if this were on, but it's definitely not one I'm often putting on myself. So I'm going to go a three and a one for that for a four overall. Remind me what the Kieran test is. Shout out to, to our buddy Kieran. So it is essentially, would you put this movie on yourself? One out of five. Well, that'll be one. That's not happening. Okay. You can go a zero if you really wanted to. No, I'll stay a one because I will. I mean, the only one I will skip when if I like do a Marvel rewatch, I will watch everything except Incredible Hulk. I probably will not watch that. So even though I don't want to, I will watch this in rewatches. So I'll go one. So then if we're talking the second part of it, so the other five points, how likely are you if this is on to leave it on? Man, doing it this way actually got me a lower score. I'm I'm going to say a 2. I had a I had a 4 when we did this. So I'm going to but I'm going to go with a 2. Even if it's on, I don't think I'm sticking around very long. I find this movie really boring to watch. I think the fight scenes are not great. The Frost Giant ones, which I think is the best like action sequence in the movie is very darkly lit. It's kind of hard to see things at times. The best scene in the movie arguably is the the hammer scene but even the scenes that aren't action which you know it's not that like oh i need action to be entertained but the scenes that aren't action i don't find riveting or captivating at all so i just find it a boring movie so i'll go a one and a two all right so then that's a 3.5 average between the two of us i'm gonna guess this comes in mm, third out of the four okay well we'll get to that here in a second but For audience score, we had an 83% for Google users and a 76% for Rotten Tomato users, giving us a 7.95. So, to recap the categories, we had a 4.5 for Legacy, a 6 for Impact and Significance, we had a 5.5 for Novelty, a 4.5 for Classicness, a 3.5 for Rewatchability, and a 7.95 for Audience score, giving us a final total of... Thirty-one point nine five. So you said you thought it would be third. It's definitely second or third. Uh, it's fifty-fifty toss-up. I'm going to go third. All right. So current scores: we had a twenty-four point five five for the Incredible Hulk. So it's so it's above that. For Iron Man two, we had thirty-four point six five. Oh wow! So it places behind that. So it is third. And Iron Man, we had a forty-nine point four. That sounds about right. I think that's. I think Thor and Iron Man 2 are definitely second and third. It's it's very separable tiers. You know, like Iron Man is a tier above those two movies, which are a tier above the Hulk. So I think that's right. And I think most likely, if we're doing this correctly, First Avenger is going to probably be just ahead of Iron Man 2, but dwarfed by Avengers. Avengers will be competing up near the top. Top of Phase 1 or top of MCU? Top of Phase 1 for now. Ooh, leaving the door open. A little mysterious. I like yeah, it. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do a 50-50 proposition for the percentages. Like on the other side of this discussion. Interesting. All right. I think you might be a little higher on Avengers than I am. But it's a very good movie, and I'm excited to talk about it. 
So we already did remaining questions, hot takes, and final thoughts on your show, but uh, we're teasing a little bit with Captain America, the first Avenger next month. Any thoughts upcoming for that? I'm excited. I don't think I've seen it since um, since I did my entire MC rewatch before Endgame. I don't think I've watched it since, so I'm excited to see it. Every time I watch that movie, I like it a little more. I, I wasn't a big fan of it when I first watched it, and ever since... Not big jumps, but, you know, incrementally, I like it a little better. So I'm excited to give it a shot. It's a movie I've caught a bunch on cable. I enjoyed it the first time it was in theaters. And I think there's some really great moments for, obviously, I think, I would probably say is the second most important character in the MCU. But uh, it gives us some good moments and definitely some stuff that I think is going to hold up a lot better than the last three films. For sure, for sure. And it's got my girl Haley Atwell, who and how I, I absolutely love after seeing her in Dead Reckoning. So I'm excited to check her out in many ways. Well, I was already on that bandwagon for a while, so uh, you may have to... I was late to the party. ...hitch the caboose, lie. but uh, it's all right. We got more on this, more spots on this train track. Unless they go over the blown-up bridge one by one. Yeah, true. I'll take Kat Dennings and Catherine Newton. You can have Haley Atwell. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair trade. I I would love to take <laughs> you up on that offer. That's fair. All right. Hope hopefully they'll agree too. Can can you throw in Scarlett Johansson, or is that too much asking already? You could try. You could try, my friend. She's a hot ticket. I don't know. I feel like she's a level above these other. <laughs> she's like a super super duper star. Well, especially at this point in time, yet when. Uh, Coming off Asteroid City? I mean, come on. Oh, well, that... <laughs> that piece of... I don't even know what. I liked Asteroid City. Oh, you saw it? Yeah. You liked it? I liked it. Interesting. I felt I nodded off many times. I thought it was... It's know. not the most engaging Wes Anderson film, but by comparative to a few of the other ones that I have much bigger questions about, like, it's by, it's not anywhere near my favorites but i still liked it yeah it was fine steve carell was funny it was better than french dispatch which i also liked but i like dispatch more my guy chalamet big chalamet guy willy wonka if you will it for me it's like grand budapest is way up above everything else and then like several steps down and then you get to royal tannenbaums Hmm. he's a weird dude He's definitely got an aesthetic. That he does. That he does. All right. Well, that'll do it for us this month. Thank you very much for listening. Wait, you know what you're doing? Yeah, I knocked out Adolf Hitler over 200 times. Next month, we are discussing the fifth movie in our crossover podcast with Captain America, the First Avenger from 2011. Directed by Joe Johnston, written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Starring Chris Evans, Haley Atwell, Tommy Lee Jones, Hugo Weaving, Sebastian Stan, and Stanley Tucci. You won't want to miss that one, so watch ahead of the show by searching the Real Good app to find where it's streaming for you. That's R-E-E-L-G-O-O-D. Please like, follow, rate, and review, or whatever on whichever platform you have so that more can join in on our fun. You can also email the show at the new RonnieDuncanStudios.com or sign up for our newsletter, find our new Facebook page under Greatest Movie of All Time Podcast, or find us on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok at the handle at Podcast. 
The greatest Marvel movie of all time is a joint production of Ronnie Duncan Studios and the Screaming Circuit. The show is mixed, edited, and written by Thomas Duncan. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM. 